0: Happy Sabbath and Happy Lunar New Year. Welcome everybody to church. Um, this is interesting times. Like yesterday I was at my grandma's and she was very uncomfortable because things are different. She was like, why can't we have everybody? And I was spend the time explaining to her. And for the few hours we were at her place, she continuously repeated it's not the same, it's not the same, this year is different, this year is different and it is different but it's easy to look at the part that we are deprived of and complain about it instead of looking at the blessings we have in fact I'm thankful that we can still visit grandma I could still visit her, my family could still, and just nice, my, the numbers in my my immediate family, we made up eight so we don't have to like, sorry bro, you can't come, you have to just stay home today, but all of us could go and then my cousins, they all could go tomorrow it's a blessing that we are thankful for. My friends in Melbourne are going to have a lockdown for five days. Take care, guys. Uh, the church is shut down again, and they can't go out again. And uh, In fact, I think we're one of the countries we didn't have to go back to lockdown. A lot of other countries has been opening up in Hong Kong. Open up, lockdown, open up, lockdown. And then they, they just, it's really hard to, 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 to work that way. But as a church, we've progressively been able to open up, progressively been able to meet, and I'm thankful for that. And she thank God for the blessings He's given to us. And this, this is God's protection and guidance. So before I go into that, I'll make a few announcements about what we're doing for 2021 and 2022. So we are selecting new leaders. The church board will be meeting to discuss who will be the new leaders elected. So we need prayer. It's not something that we're deciding based on strategy, based on human wisdom. We need God's guidance. God needs to show us who to bring along to, to lead this church in this really... New way of functioning where God is challenging the church to explore and explode out of the building into the community. In fact, I believe Jesus' mission was to invade the world, fallen, uh, fallen, taken by sin with His presence. And so the church needs to do the same. We can just remain here in this building, meet by ourselves, feel safe, meet online, follow worship. That's not the church that God has called us to be. We are asked to invade the world with His presence, <coughs> especially in a time where the world is stuck in a time of hopelessness, in, uh, in a, stuck in a, a, a dilemma of whether they should go seek more freedom or, or what life is for and what's the meaning of life. So let's pray for the leaders of this church. And with that, the, the tool we're trying to look, use is the multi-site. See, we're not going to circumvent the, the rules of the government. We're not. That's not the goal of what we're trying to do. But we're trying to expand the presence of the church. That this, this gathering of 50 or so of us is going to stay with us for a little while. So before we can open now back to the, the way we can meet, which maybe God is saying, that's not what I want you to do, let's expand. As I shared in the business meeting, we're going to expand along the purple line where the presence of Asdag, as part of God's church can be spread throughout Singapore to areas and communities where there's no presence yet. Even though some of our ASDAC members actually live there. But they come, travel, commute all the way to Seven Night Thompson Road for church. And that's crazy. You know, that's something that that in the U.S. you would do because people are so spread far apart, they have commute to church. But then where they are, the church has no presence. Singapore is so small and yet we do the same, we commute to church. And if you ask our neighbours, hey, do you know of our Seventh-day Adventist? They're like, oh, what's that? And yet we've been their neighbours for 10, 20 years. So God is challenging the church to be the church where they are, to spread beyond the borders. Next, it to also, another tool we're introducing to help prepare is to have Bible study training. To teach us, all of us, we think we know the Bible, we know the Bible, we think we, we can explain the Bible in our Sabbath school, in maybe even preach sermons, but have you tried explaining the Bible to somebody who has no background in the faith? Where they don't understand what the Bible is about, where they don't believe in the Bible, don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in God. I can tell you that there was a journey I went through, and I started off not knowing what to do. When you share, I remember one time I was asking this person who I was giving Bible study to, turn to John, and he looked at me. Your name's James, right? I like yes. Where's John? I'm like, I like said, I said the book of John, and then he goes, where is it? I like in the Bible. He said, oh, I thought this was called the Bible. So you mean this is called the book of John? I said, no, 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 Inside. Oh, you mean the chapter John. Because that's how books are when we grow up, right? Each is, is chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter Genesis. chapter. Why do you have a book within a book? We are used to it because we grew up in the church. But for somebody who's never exposed to the church, to the scripture, they're like, what are you talking about? Then you tell them, chapter 2, in the book of John, verse 13. Why are you t- you're talking in codes. We assume people know, but they don't. So these are some of the things that I will share in this online Bible t- study training. So I'll open up uh, for sign-up. Uh, we have the limit of how many, because I don't want it to be too big. Then I can't interact with you. I don't want it to be a lecture. If it's a lecture, I just record a video and you can watch it by yourself. We'll ha- start small, and I'll have it again. It'll be a recurring class, a workshop. It's not very profound. It's not very like difficult, so I'll go through it again with different groups. So if you sign up, we'll go through it. And then you guys will have to stop to go practice and give Bible study. Then we'll come back and do another group. In fact, some of you may be asked to come back and help me teach these classes because you have real-life experience that you can share with the class. We're going on uh, my dream. I think I'm daydreaming, right? I'm daydreaming about what the church will look like in this year and the year for, in the future. And this daydream, I hope, is not just wishful thinking. I think that's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm dreaming of different aspects of the church that I believe the Bible is showing the church. And today, I'm dreaming of love. Shall we first bow our head for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for invading the world with your presence, which we know is love, because you are love. And as we discuss this topic, as we look into the Scripture about what you're telling us about love, may you help us understand the true purpose of these teachings, not just to gain more knowledge, but for us to put it into action. We love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is, I think, the second year where Valentine's Day and Chinese New Year collide. And in fact, if you don't know, in the Chinese New Year, there's one day which is also called the Valentine's Day. So there's many Valentine's Day that's going on. It's about love. It's kind of changed from its original meaning from Valentine's Day. That's tomorrow for those guys who don't know. Um, tomorrow's Valentine 's Day, and so it 's also the third day of Chinese New Year. It's interesting, in, in, the, in the tradition, in the th- tradition, uh, families are told not to go visiting on the third day of Chinese New Year, because they say it's a day where there's a potential for conflicts and fights and arguments on the third day. I think scientifically, it makes sense. Because if you go for the first day, one full day, you go visiting hours of the hours, household after household, second day, again, you'd be tired. And we are tired physically, you have short, short temper, you, you'll flare up, you, you'll be upset. So they say, take a break on the third day of Chinese New Year. So the old people's way of, of telling people is logic doesn't work. Maybe back then, they had to scare people. So you better stay at home. If you go out, invite curse. Oh, people stay at home and rest. Interestingly, so then it becomes tomorrow's just the first, also the day of Valentine's to celebrate love. Originally, it, Valentine's Day was not reserved just for lovers. It was a day where anybody who feel love for people are supposed to give gifts, not because the girlfriend wants that really nice bag, or that, you know, the boyfriend wants that really nice car. <laughs> Nobody can afford that kind of gift. But it's a day where those who have more notice those who have less, and out of love, they share what they have. All right? it, it, they go out and they give gifts to those who may not have as much a very Christian concept. In fact, the the person is a Christian. Um, And that's Valentine's Day, but it's changed. It's changed over the years. So let's look back at what the Bible tells us about love. One plus one equals two. You can talk. You can't sing really, but you can talk too, right? We've been taught that ever since the beginning. I'm going through that with Lucas. The concept of, one plus one equals to two is a, is a very simple concept, but it's the foundation of all mathematical equations, if you love mathematics. But to Lucas, one plus one equals to two, but to him, it's one plus one equals to mine. i give you one, i give you one more, what is it? It's mine. It still doesn't really make sense like that, it's two objects. He's, it, he's getting it, he's counting one, two, but he's still not really understanding. Because what do you mean by plus? What do you mean by plus? It's a very theoretical thing, right? But it, it builds, and we've grown up in church, in church, in school, uh, all our life, we've been taught one plus one equals to two. But when I got into school for, for computer, I got into School of Information Technology, they tell me it's a lie. They tell me one plus one equals to one. Huh? Wait, what are you talking about? All my life I've been taught one plus one equals to two, 2 plus 1 equals to 3, 3 plus 1 equals to 4, because 1 plus 1 equals to n, right? You continuously add and add and add. But in the mathematical world, there's only two numbers that exist, 1 or 0. Technically, there's only one number that exists, because 0 don't exist. There's nothing, 1 or nothing, on or off. And So plus 1 plus 1 equals to 1, 1 plus 0 equals to 0. And I'm like, why are you messing with my mind? But interestingly, the Bible supports that equation. The Bible supports the equation of one plus one equals to one. Tell me the Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. From the get-go, before sin entered the world in chapter 3, God teach us max. Very basic fundamental mathematics. God, in creation, teaches us first how to count to seven. There was a first day, there was a second day, there was a third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. And then the understanding of numbers is not so that you can have more numbers, but you should rest. Then in chapter 2, he teaches us more about mathematics. He says in chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One plus one equals to one, according to to the bible when a husband and wife get married they are no longer two separate entities they are now one entity in fact that equation continues throughout the bible see the bible is way advanced it knew about computer one zero (laughs) before we even knew what it was but then he goes on and he says see like me me plus tiffany when we got married it's coming up 28th of february everything's february for me when we got married, James plus Tiffany equals to one family, one couple. We are one person, one entity. We're not the same. It's really scary if Tiffany becomes exactly like James, although it may be a blessing that James become like Tiffany, but it would be scary, right, if you look Tiffany, James, James. It's not that we become like one physical being, but you become one entity. You become one unit. You become one person in mind, in thoughts, in purpose. And the interesting thing is, if you continue to add, 1 plus 1 plus 1 is still equals to 1. And for my case, James plus Tiffany plus Lucas is still one family. It doesn't become two family because we have now Lucas. In fact, Lucas adds to the family and we're still one family. But the family grows. It gets bigger. Because a bigger unit... More influence, more addition, more complication, but more excitement and more knowledge. This is a lot more dynamic, but it's still one family. It's different, but it's still one. The Bible challenges us to look at that concept where God himself exemplified that to us. John 10, 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. When Jesus came and when he was walking the earth, he explained, he re emphasized that, you know, the Bible doesn't just want to talk about marriage. The marriage of man and woman was an illustration of who God is. And in a very simple, short verse in John 10:30, when the disciple asks, Hey, who are you? He says, I and the Father are one. We are one. The Father. And me, two persons, but yet we are one. Which is no... People say that's hard to understand, but it's the exact same concept as the husband and the wife become one. He gave us a practice to, to, to experience what it means. And when a children is added to the family, you're still one. My family has three kids in my in my family, my mom and dad, and got my sister, me and my brother, we are still one. And then when we married wives, I, my, me and my brother, they were added to the family, and interestingly, you know what happened? We were added to their family. So now our family is not just the Tang family, the Cheng family, now I've got my sister-in-law's family, so the Suta, Supatra, Supatra family. Um, if I pronounce it wrong, sorry, sis. Uh, her family, which is like a huge clan, her, both of her parents have like 10 uh, siblings, and we were added to the family. And, and, and really, interestingly, when I went for the wedding, because I'm the older, me and my sis are the oldest, so because my brother married uh, his wife, which is the oldest in the clan, so we are like older than her, so everybody came and called me "Go," as though I had been a part of the family all along. And the same, when I go visit my wife's family, everybody, we're family. So the family keeps expanding. We lose some things. We don't hold on to our personal identity as the Tam, the Changs, right? We are now, but still, we are now one family. And it's expanded. It's different. It's dynamic. It's interesting. It's challenging at times, but we're still one family, and the reason we're still one family is not because legally we've signed a contract of marriage. not because we've committed to one another through a ceremony and there's witnesses who will, who will knock our heads if we break that commitment. No, 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 no. It's because it was a commitment of love. When I married my wife, I love her, and we had a child out of love. And then, the, like me, I married my wife. Also out of love, my parents inherited that family. I joined the family because I love her family, not because I, I, I'm obliged to be a part of the family. The core essence principle of love expands the family and make it possible for one plus one equal one. Next verse, let's look at John fifteen thirteen. John fifteen thirteen, it says, which is the scripture reading for today. The key principle that drives this unity of 1 plus 1 equals to 1, 1 in John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends or family or loved ones. And when there's the one coming together, I say there's a certain part of letting go and letting down. Like, I can't insist on living exactly the way I used to live if I want to be one with the other person. There are sacrifices. The things I have to let go. I have to share the bathroom and the bedroom and the living room and the food with two other people now. Right? It's like, it's like interesting. Like, Why should that happen? Not because like, I'm obligated by the government. They give me like, you have to share your toilet after you get married. No. It's because I love them and it, what is mine is theirs. is a sharing of resources. There's a sharing of different things. a sharing like of space, of time, of personal preference because of love. A submission to one another. It's not what the Bible says when only one side submits to the other. It's not normal if there's only one person continuously submits to another party. That's called a dictator. In a marriage relationship, in a love relationship, in God's relationship, the Father doesn't dictate what the Son does, but the Son submits to the Father's will. And yet, the Father also submits to the Son's choice. And in love relationship, that's how it works. We submit to one another, we expand this this interaction because we are choosing to love and in love the sacrifice, laying down of one's life doesn't mean physically you have to die, but you may be dying to your selfishness, dying to your own self-focused way of living where you have to let go and choose to do some things the other person would like to do. One of the things that I'm blessed with is pretty much most of our taste. me and Tiffany align. We don't like, except for one thing that I really love that she don't like, which actually works out. You all know what it is, that's spring onion. And so we love in unity in our hatred for lady's finger. And then we, we love in complimentary in our love and hate for spring onion. I love spring onion. She hates spring onion. And so it's easy. She throw all the spring onion in her bowl into my bowl. Everybody's happy. So it's not, it's not always becoming uniform, right? Both hate lady's finger. If you love me, you must hate lady's finger. No, sometimes I help fix your problem because I love spring iron. You hate spring iron, voila, everybody's happy. In fact, I found out that she actually have ways that I can manipulate spring iron that she'll eat it. She actually likes it. She doesn't know. Right? But we still hate sp- ladies' fingers. Well, finger, so. um, but that's how love works. That's the way that you complement. That's way you work together. That's way you help each other and the way that you unite against something else together. Let's look at the next verse, John sixteen thirteen. Next chapter. i want to talking about. You see that I'm reading through John because John, you know what his name? He called himself in the Bible, the Beloved. He just calls up the one who was loved by Jesus. And many, many famous verses on love is found in John. In fact, in John and then first, second, third John. So I'm reading. I'm just not showing you something new. I'm just paging through john and you can see love and love and love and john explaining as he observed jesus and his work what love is john 16 verse 13 to 15 when the spirit of truth comes this is jesus saying when he's going to leave what's going to happen don't leave us orphans in thirteen, says when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak of his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak a submission again here the Holy Spirit is submitting to the Father's guidance. But whatever He hears, He will hear, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will tell you what's going to happen. Verse 14. Jesus speaking, He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, submitting to Jesus. For He will take what is mine and declare it to yours. Verse 15. And the Father, what the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will declare what I have to you. But what I have doesn't belong to me. It was given to me by the Father. But the Father, again, is empowered and shown through the Holy Spirit. This three-in-one concept of coming together in this relationship of love is so appealing to me. Because if God was a single person who just loved himself, it's very scary. They were worshipping a God who demands worship because he loves worship narcissistically say, worship me. But God is one, but there's three persons, there's a giving kind of relationship, and from the get-go, his concept of worship is giving. He says, people, my creation, worship me because I want to give back the blessings to you. He demands worship so you can give. It's a giving relationship. In love, in unity, it's all about submitting and giving. When we submit, we're not losing things. In fact, when we submit, it goes all the way back around and, and give back to us. Not that that should be your motivation. In love, relationship is the same. Husband and wife, father and child, mother and child. When you give to your child, you know what automatically comes back? Love. You know, Lucas is learning love because from our action, like, my, my household is very, my, my, the, my origin, family of origin is very Asian. My father's never said, I love you to me, ever. His I love you is eat more. <laughs> you know, his I love you is, you know, do you need money? His I love you is when you wake up this breakfast. You know, I love you is him driving you to work when it's raining. That's I love you from my dad. He's never said, I love you, son. It'd be so weird. But then, I'm different. I didn't grow up in my, I, I, I'm not that Asian. So I, I, I tell Lucas from Gekka, I love you, son. love you. Say bye, I love you. And so he started saying that to my dad. And he'll say, Grandpa, Grandpa, bye, love you, love you. And then my, for the first time in my life, I heard my dad says, love you. I was like, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but because continuously Lucas expresses love to my dad, and my dad receives so much of it, he can't help himself, but he says it back, even though it's not his practice for his entire 70 over years of his life. Amazing. That's what love is. If you give, if you give, if you give, the fact that it's come back, it comes back, it comes back, it comes back. I'm not just talking about verbal love, but in, in true action of love. When we give, when we give, when we give, we get, we get, we get. I'm not saying it's better to say or not say. I'm not judging my dad. He'd be weird if my dad turns to me, son, I love you. I, w- I would just freeze. I'm just not used to it, you know. But I'm, I'm so happy he said that to Lucas, you know, to see it in the action. So one plus one plus one equals to one. In God's mathematics, there's no them and us there's no one plus one because it's two the calculation of the church should not be about the number of worshippers about oh we've hit 22 44 66 88 oh 162 330 that's not the, the way god measures the church and that's not something we should be striving for although to confess that's what we've been striving for for the longest time and but that's not what god wants from the church god measures the church by one thing and one thing alone how they love one another are they one? The Father, but the Son, but the Holy Spirit equals to one. See, love is not uniformity. Love is not that we all act, dress, walk, speak, sleep, eat exactly the same way. Although there may be things that you kind of align just because you spend a lot of time together. right? You can't help but observe that now. When I was in the church in Melbourne, Australia, that even though people who are not from Malaysia and Singapore, after spending time in Mazdaq, the church I was a part of, Melbourne Asian Church, they start eating the things that we eat. I have a Korean friend who joined us since he was 12 years old. And then he he started to have cravings that I didn't have. He's like, James, I need to go eat laksa. I'm like, what? He's like, I just really crave laksa. And you're the only person I thought of when I think of laksa. And so, yeah, lo and behold, both of us drove 35 minutes because we're in Melbourne to eat laksa king no longer there Florian but it's a place that we used to go so after being a part of the church but he kind of like I told him one day I said bro he always said no I'm going to marry a Korean girl when I grow up that's my life that's what, I said no, no 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 no, you've been in that way too long you're going to marry a Singaporean and a Malaysian girl and lo and behold he calls me out one day hey I'm going to visit Singapore why well my fiance's is from there I like ha ah, she laksa is powerful It's not about uniformity, but there is some alignment that happens because you're in each other's presence. Your preference starts to align. You like the same kind of things, and you dislike the similar kind of things. But you don't have to be exactly the same. See, I don't want Lucas to be exactly like me. I want Lucas to have the good part of me and avoid everything bad about me. That's my goal of love, right? I want to give the best part of who I am to him, and I want him to be his own person. I don't think want to be a photocopy clone of James. That's not love. That's scary. That's a mad scientist thing. But love is unity. And this unity is grounded by sacrifice, by giving to one another, by letting go. Not of key fundamental truth, I must remind you. You cannot ask me to love you, but deny God. I can't. Because God is love. I must love you by loving God. Because God teaches me how to love. God teaches me what the fundamentals of love is and I must practice that because I know nothing about love except that I learn it from God. But love must be shown, not just in speech and I know about love, but it must be practiced and acted out and given to those who need to experience love. And so as I was sharing, the three part of what this church is going to move forward in is not in numbers, but we're going to grow in affection. And when I talk about affection, it's growing in our love, Number one, for God. It's easy to measure your love of God by how much you know the Bible, but I'm going to tell you that it's more than that. The, the love, affection that we're seeking to grow in as that is you know the Bible, but you put it into practice. Even the difficult part, laying down one's life for another, that's difficult. But we're not just going to gain mental massage. We want to grow in our love for God by doing acts of love that He challenges us to do. And we want to grow in our relationship. You know, this COVID has shown me how little I know people in this church. Kelly and I went for our first lunch together after eight years of being in the same church this year. Like, come on, that's not good. But we must strive If the year has shown us areas of weakness, then we must strive to grow to more than that. Have you always been hanging out with the same group of people in Aztec all this time? Do you know the young adult's name? Do the young adult know the uncle, auntie's name? Or do you know them as uncle? Uncle what? Auntie, auntie what? You know? It's the same. I I get asked, they'll point to one of the young adults, and what's his name again? I know his father's, you son. (laughs) Like, that was my life, right? I was always... Pastor Joseph Tom's son, until I was like 35 years old. Then suddenly my dad became, oh, you're Pastor James' father. And I look at my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so do we always interact with the same people? Do we spend time getting to know people, not at our convenience, but taking time out? Sacrificing and, and spending time getting to know one another beyond your, your relationship of comfort. That's relational. As that wants to grow relationally, we can't depend on potluck anymore. Even in potluck, it was so obvious to me the same people sit with the same people every single Sabbath. Once in a while, there'll be one or two adventurers who will deviate out of the group into the unknown. Come on. But now we have no potluck. It takes a little bit more effort. But let's strive to do that as, as a church, let's grow relationally, deeper with one another, deeper with God. And God challenges us to grow deeper by your love for one another. By their love, they say, shall the people know that you are my disciples. John 13, still John. So we must see not just that we know the Bible of God. You know what's the comment I always hear about the Adventist church? Which is so, hits me so deeply that, you know, this church has the right Bible study. They know the Bible. They know the truth, but you don't feel really loved when you visit them. This is what I always hear about you, And I'm like, that's not true. I don't think Aztecs like that. And then the comment is like, you're an anomaly. shouldn't be an anomaly. And I don't think we're even there yet. But the church should be known for more than that. Not just by our knowledge, but by our right Bible study. That should be exemplified in how we interact with the people. We're not here there to just convert a person. Believe! Good done. Next. No, no, no. We have to love deeply each and every soul God has brought into the care of this church. Do you still remember our newborn babies? David and Daisy. How many of you have talked to them since the baptism? As I said, we don't do dunk and dump. That's not what we do. Right? We don't as a church, you don't give birth to a baby and like, take care of yourself, all the best. Peace. Let's not do that as a church. Let's love. Let's take time. Let's be intentional. Let's go beyond your comfort zone. And this COVID challenges us to do that. So what I'm talking about is go, we're going deeper with God. We're striving to be closer with one another and wider in our influence because we're going to go missional. The, the love cannot be inward-looking because that is not love. Love is forever Anchored upon giving. When God started, He gave by creating human beings. He says that's a display of love that three of us is in this relationship of love, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But now let's expand that and create a human in their image. People often say it's only in their character. No, no. It's always in an image of love because the first thing they say, you two are one. Now be fruitful and multiply. The command of love is to be fruitful and multiply. To have babies Which as that's been very successful This COVID A few more babies coming But also spiritually To expand relationally Influence to people Are there people around you Who needs love That you've not noticed You may not know But just last year alone Reported teen and youth suicide Were in Like there were 17 youth Who killed themselves Even one that I'm twice removed because one member know that person. Do you know that? It's not in the news. Could be your neighbor. Do you know if somebody around you is suffering? That lives, maybe you know, my neighbor's door and my door is less than two meters af- apart from each other. Could somebody be living in that house just across your door that's a meter away, suffering, and you are a Christian for your entire life and you don't even know it? I'm scared. Like, I'm a pastor. I I study counseling. I've got a master's degree. I'm doing my doctorate. And I could have all this knowledge of how to help somebody not kill themselves and then one day read the news that somebody next to me has killed themselves. And I've done nothing about it because I didn't care about that person because there was a door. Luckily, my neighbor doesn't like closing his or her door, and more like kampong style, the door's always open, Uh, every new person comes in, I know who they are, they know my son, I know them, but that's more to what we can do. As I said, I try to strive to know everybody, at least along lift A, and it's quite nice to actually go into the lift and somebody actually smile and say, hey, good to see you, instead of... You that's very sad, right? So let's focus on this. The three things I want Aztec to think about. May God impress upon you to grow deeper in your relationship with God, to connect closer with others, not just Aztec people, even that's a good start, and direction, move towards mission and helping others that you may not think are there. This is this a beautiful picture? This is a picture of Dalian, uh, northeast of China. At one glance, it's beautiful. But actually, if you look at it, it's actually very messy. There's like a rock, there's like flowers, there's like green grass, there's like dead grass, there's like moth on the back, and then there's cloud, there's sky, and then there's like fog, and then there's like moss. This is actually a crazy, messy kind of picture. But put it together, it's beautiful. The color's beautiful. In fact, this is a p- picture they've chosen to promote tourism to China in Korea. And it's taken off so widely in the tourism board that everybody reposted this picture. Being such a popular, beautiful picture they posted. And it's messy, actually, if you look in detail. What I'm saying here is that love in detail is messy. But when you combine the messiness and summit to God, it's beautiful. It's easy to be afraid of relationship with God, with others, because it's messy. It's uncomfortable. There's a lot of adjustment. There's a lot of submission. There's a lot of surrendering. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of like things that you just don't. You just, I'm better by myself. If I'm the only person in the world, it's easier. Yes, it's easier, but it's not beautiful. Love is beautiful. And love is messy. But God challenges us to go into this messiness because he's done it himself. The world's messy when he came, wasn't it? Yeah, he chose. He came to show us to invade the messiness of this world with his presence of love to bring about the end result of love and beauty. And he's challenging his church to do that. Finally, I'll read to you John 17, verse 20 to 22. John 17, verse 20 to 22. In his high priestly parting prayer for His disciples and all of us, he says, I do not ask for this only, according to His disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, the they may be one even as we are one. The invitation to love ultimately is God's invitation to participate in Him. He's invading the world with His presence and He says, Come join me and be a part of this movement of love to invade the world with the presence of love because this world needs His love. Not the cheap kind of lust the world is offering, but His deep, profound love sacrificial love that God is offering all of us are invited into him and he, as we wait for the day that he comes again, let's wait for the day of ultimate fulfillment of love as he's coming soon in the closing song we're going to sing, that we have a work to do today as part of his kingdom to invade the world with his presence of love